1: Welcome to the Playlist Podcast, the weekly discussion of films and TV. I'm your host, Charles Barfield, managing editor of the playlist. And as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Mike D'Angelo and Brian Farver. Are you two ready for me to dot 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 fuck you up?
2: <laughs> Is that the tagline of this film?
1: It should be. It should be on the poster. It
2: really should. I
1: mean, I if I had a gun. that I could empty bullets very loudly, I would have just to to make that that really (laughs) effective. But yeah, I did the best I could. So yeah, don't worry, dear listener, I'm not really threatening bodily harm on my two co-hosts. Instead, I'm bracing us to talk about the new film, Nobody. Uh, This is a John Wick-style brutal action film starring none other than Bob Odenkirk. Yes, that Bob Odenkirk. In the film, Odenkirk plays a guy named Hutch, the middle-aged suburban dad that's the victim of a burglary in his house. And in the aftermath, the audience is shown a different side of Hutch, where you learn about his, quote-unquote, certain set of skills that allow him to take his aggression out on a bunch of Russian mafia dudes. The film also stars Connie Nielsen, RZA, and Christopher Lloyd, who we'll talk much more about, I'm sure. Mm Mm-hmm. And after we talk about Nobody, everyone should stick around to hear our interview with the film's director, Ilya Nyshuler, who is a filmmaker behind Hardcore Henry and knows quite a bit about how to craft a quality action film. Plus, he's just really fun to talk to, so it's well worth the listen, if I do say so myself. (laughs) But before we talk about Christopher Lloyd and his arsenal of shotguns, i got to tell you that the Playlist Podcast is part of the Playlist Podcast Network, which includes Be Real, The Fourth Wall, Deep Focus, and more. And if you want to find us, you can check your podcast app of choice, whether that's Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Anchor, Stitcher, anywhere else you find your favorite shows.
2: I just I just realized that Christopher Lloyd and his arsenal of shotguns is the, a great name for an indie band, right? <laughs> <laughs> Please welcome to the stage. Chris oh. Lloyd
1: and his arsenal of shotguns.
2: <laughs> yeah, we're Chris Lloyd. <laughs> and this is my arsenal of shotguns we're chris lloyd <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay yes it, it will all make sense if you've seen the movie and or we nice. talk about it trust me okay gents we're gonna dive into nobody but before i get into it i did mention the similarities to this film and john wick and i think i want to offer a bit of background into why these films are so much alike, Cause If you've seen the trailer, if you've, hell, if you've seen the poster, there's a lot of wikiness involved here, and and there's for good reason. First, the script for Nobody is written by Derek Kolstad, who's the guy who wrote the first two John Wick films and co-wrote the third. And as Ilya Neishuler will mention in the interview, when he came on board, he was very adamant about making sure 8711, the production company slash stunt team behind the Wick franchise, was involved. So yes, there's a lot of John Wick DNA in this film. If you like John Wick, you're probably going to like this movie. We can just get that out of the way. That being said, let's go to Mike. What yeah. are your overall thoughts about Nobody? I really like Nobody. I don't think
0: it's like it like it well, you got to like somebody. Yeah. <laughs> don't, I don't, don't really like anybody, man. Uh so <laughs> yeah, I uh I like the movie. It isn't wholly original. I mean, like you said, it it shares a lot of DNA with John Wick, but I think it's very much a calculated commentary on a movie like that, uh, or on that specific movie. Like, there are a lot of things that this movie does that uh, are a complete 180 of John Wick, and there are a lot of things that it does that are very John Wick-esque. So it's, it's kind of interesting to see how it plays with it. Uh, one, it casts Instead of like someone who everybody like knows as a badass in other films, uh, like a Keanu Reeves type or a Liam Neeson nowadays, it it goes for like, okay, who's like this schlubby guy that no one thinks could be an action star? Oh, Better Call Saul. Well, actually, this is his idea. Remember? Yeah, it was, I guess. So but in the writing of it, like the way it undercuts. Oh, yeah. Uh, the John Wick kind of thing, like the, the break-in of it all. And, you know, in, in John Wick, it would have just been like, you know, <laughs> a gun-fu, crazy action scene. But in this one, it's this, like, really personal, like, choice to not be that. Well, and then, in the
1: first John Wick, too— if you remember, like, there is a literal, like, break-in scene where he does gun-fu his way out of it. Exactly. And then the cop shows up, and the cop's like, oh, John Wick, up to your antics again. <laughs> You're working and again? He, and then here, like, uh, you know, the cops come there and be like, eh, pussy. <laughs> right? Like, that's basically <laughs> Pretty what much. they say.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. And uh, there are even other parts where it's I- – instead of the Russian – being the, the guy who instigates and is very much the bad guy of this movie. There are Russians in this movie, by the way. So it, another crossover there. It's very much, I mean, I guess we're going into spoiler territory here, but it's very much his fault. This whole, like, retaliation that he gets, the, the trouble that he gets into is I very don't think much. That's a
1: spoiler, by the way. Like, I would like to avoid spoilers as much as possible, but that's just the basic setup of this movie. He yeah. does start picking fights.
0: Yes. So, yeah, the rage he feels from not being able to let it out in that initial break in is is kind of what causes the the movie to unravel. But, yeah, I, it, the way it attacks that John Wick type of movie and approaches it from a slightly different angle, but keeps like a lot of really entertaining action and some of the, you know, uh, comedic elements of it almost. I mean, I know I wouldn't call John Wick a comedy, but there were some all, all, you can't help but laugh at some of it. Yeah. Because it doesn't take itself too seriously, and the style of the action, and and some of the you know the winkiness of of some of the characters, it keeps a lot of that, and it is very entertaining. And uh, somehow Bob Odenkirk sells you as an action star, and it really rests on his ability to do that, and and somehow have you believe that RZA is his brother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or
1: Lloyd's I mean dead. that's the the thing. I think uh I think. Ilya says this in his interview, but this is a movie that starts kind of like super serious and super grounded and then progressively just kind of gets more outrageous. So by the the final bits of this movie, you're just willing to accept whatever they throw at you.
0: Yeah. Plus, it's really entertaining and really tight and and well-made. Is it perfect? No, not necessarily. There were some things that I didn't love about it, but overall, I was thoroughly entertained.
1: Brian, were you thoroughly entertained?
2: Oh, absolutely. And I was, I mean, I was on board with this just from the first trailer. I mean, just seeing seeing what we were, you know, to expect here that, yeah, this is going to be a, a John Wick sort of film. And that the film would really, I, I, I could tell right away, it was really going to rest on the strength of, Bob Odenkirk's scowl. Did you guys notice that? He has like, <laughs> perpetual... a very good scowl. He does, but it it almost is a character by itself. Like, whereas Keanu Reeves has just this overall badassness, Odenkirk just I don't know. It's it, his facial expressions are very menacing, and it's almost Saul Goodman, but also not. Like he is just I thought incredibly believable in, in this character, which you know, we've seen Shades of It before. Yeah, John Wick and there's other films that I'll 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 mention one that may be a controversial uh comparison in a bit. But overall this was this was fun. It 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 sped by, um, which I think is another, you know, mark of a good just just good fun action film is I never once found myself checking to see how much time was left. Uh the supporting cast was great. Yeah, he just made a made a, tr- a real believer that that this guy who i don't know how old oldenkirk is now do you guys know guy I, I think they 50s? said i think
1: ilia in our interview said he's like 55 56 something that's like that. right 58
2: 58
1: well, but when they filmed this i think he was like 56
2: okay something like that. um yeah he he was fantastic so yeah like mike said it's not perfect by any means but in terms of an actor you wouldn't expect in a role like this and in terms of just I would I would definitely equate this to the action films that I would see at, at Blockbuster when I'm just trying to find something to rent for the weekend. This is one of those movies that I end up getting. I remember getting a feeling watching this as I did when I saw the first Under Siege, which I love the first Under Siege. Just yeah, great stuff. Very dumb brainless. and Well, not brainless, but it, it's just, again, I, on, on the strength of Odenkirk, this movie works very well.
1: I would argue this is better than Under Siege.
2: It is better than Under Siege. <laughs> yeah,
1: like I, I think the three of us might have uh, rose-colored glasses when we look at Under Siege. It's, uh, it's Die Hard in a submarine, my friend. It is yes. great. No, it wasn't in a submarine. It was in just a regular aircraft carrier, wasn't it? Oh, I'm pretty was sure it was it? a submarine, wasn't it? Maybe the sequels. I think it was just an aircraft carrier.
2: The second yeah. one was on a train.
1: Oh, that's right.
2: I, I the here's third what here's... was on a plane. No, there was no third movie. Um, <laughs> oh, I'm sure there was a third. Come on.
1: Uh, I just the, this is way off topic, but the only things I remember about Under Siege are Steven Seagal's knife movements mm-hmm. because yeah. I thought he was so fucking cool with the way he like swung the knife around like on his wrist almost. It was weird. And then uh, I forget the actress's name. But for some reason, the ship hired a stripper to hop out of a cake. And oh, that's that... their excuse to have a woman in this movie. And I, I think, think that was, like a mo- a mean, that was
2: mind-blowing, on. that scene. I don't, I'll never forget that, when she jumped out of the cake. Oh, my yeah. God.
1: It was such a ham-fisted way to have, like, a, a hot blonde in the movie. It was like, come on. Yes. All right, enough about Under Siege. Let's talk about No. <laughs> <thing>. Uh
2: <laughs>
1: I remember distinctly when this trailer came out, I shared it with you guys. And yeah. I just remember I was like, yeah, this is like very much my shit. Like this movie <laughs> is uh, tailor-made for me. I love the John Wick movies. I love this particular production company's way of framing action. And I mean, honestly, going into it, I had no concerns about the action whatsoever. I had no concerns about the direction because I know Hardcore Henry might not be everybody's favorite movie, but you got to admit the guy knows how to frame action. Mm-hmm. and it was the guy, very unique Ilya Nyshuler yeah and so I knew like direction wise and I knew action wise this was going to be a movie I was going to enjoy but it all came down to like will Bob Odenkirk sell me on being this schlub that turns into uh, a badass and he really really does and I think it's oversimplifying to say he's like kind of a schlub because early on in the movie we you get the feeling that there's something kind of off with this guy and mm-hmm. It's you don't know that he's ripped. You don't know that he can like handle a gun or that he knows like he doesn't know kung fu or anything, but like he can beat people up. It's like there are scenes where he's just doing pull ups so effortlessly and you're like, okay, this isn't a normal middle aged suburban dad. Right. And one thing I really like about it is he doesn't just flip a switch like Mike was alluding to. He doesn't immediately like see danger and say like, oh, I'm going to like, you know, rip throats out and stuff. Like, it's not like he <laughs> got a good throat rip in. Yeah. I mean, sorry, but Roadhouse. I got it. You know... MacGruber. Oh, and MacGruber. Yeah. <laughs> How could I forget? Uh, yeah. Oh, man. MacGruber. I love MacGruber. Yeah. But anyway, so. You, you watch him and, and, and he makes the choice like for uh, to be a pacifist and like everybody shames him. His neighbors like macho sports car guys like well, I could have taken him. The cops yeah. are like, oh, sir, you did the best you could. And then his son basically is like putting him in his place. The movie is it's terrible. So much so that you're just rooting for this guy to rip a throat out. <laughs> and so when the time comes, you're like, OK, this is when it's going to be John Wick. But yet, even though he fights a lot. He doesn't really win a lot of fights. He 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 gets his ass kicked almost as much as he kicks ass. Like, it's, it's pretty brutal in a way I don't think is explored really in John Wick. Like, John yeah. Wick is so good at what he does. Like, the gun stuff, the knife stuff, he's just on a different level. But Bob Odenkirk sells you on the fact that, like, he could kick your ass, but he's also going to take a beating, too, in the process. Yeah, he
0: just happens to True. be the guy that ends up on top.
1: He can you walk know. away when the other people don't. There's a scene that's featured pretty heavily in the the trailer, and I was joking with the the gun. He said, "I'm gonna fuck you guys up." That's it's on the bus, and it's pretty early in the movie, and that scene kind of just sets the stage for what type of action you're gonna get in this movie. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's this just brutal, long takes, wide shot action that you love, but you just it's yeah, it's just he's not gonna walk, he barely walks away from that, you know, mm-hmm. it's it's pretty intense. Um, so, yeah, all that to say, I really, really enjoyed this movie. I'm interested, Brian, to go back to you because you said that this you had like a, a shocking movie you wanted to mention that this reminded you of. And I'm curious what it was.
2: Well, first of all, really quick, uh, you mentioned the the bus scene. And I I'd said this offline, I think within the past week that that i had flashbacks to adventures in babysitting uh, <laughs> with that scene uh, when he got the. The knife in the foot? Anybody? <laughs> no, but that's not. I the movie. remember I, adventures
1: and babysitting because, as absolutely. a young comic book nerd, I was like four. Yep. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Anyway.
2: Yeah. So the movie that I and I mentioned this to you guys, I, I I I have to say that while while the movie didn't remind me of it, I will say that I I can compare this to a history of violence. David. Oh Coney. yeah. Now. Okay. And obviously, very different films. I mean, that movie is is pretty pretty bleak. I thought, you know, pretty a great movie, but but pretty dark. But not a from this,
1: hot take, Brian.
2: Yeah, <laughs> but we can all
1: agree that is a dark movie.
2: Yes, this one obviously. I mean, even though I would argue that this movie is physically dark. Like, I don't remember any scenes really taking place during the daylight hours. I don't know if that's wrong, but I definitely found this one to be pretty i guess upbeat which i think owes to what i was saying before about it it just moved moved along quickly but just the comparison would be this guy who had this past life of uh you know this kind of you know violent history or whatever he said he was A history was, of violence
1: uh, yeah <laughs> history of
2: violence yes there you go and wh- what did he say his job job title was an auditor is that what it was like Are you talking about nobody I'm talking about nobody now. Yeah. Yeah, he
1: was an auditor, and I think yes. he summed it up by basically saying, "Like I'm the last guy you want to see."
2: That's right. Mm-hmm. So that's where the comparison came from. I mean, they are very different films, but I just, as from the perspective of this guy is, you know, a family man. He's got this, this, yeah, violent past. That's where I saw the comparison. But yeah, it's it's a different movie. I just thought that that for some reason that movie came to mind. They're different movies but still the comparison the comparisons there guys okay say what you
1: will <laughs> i feel like it's a, that's like the a hot take youtube video in the making like Bye. 24 <laughs> ways that a history of violence and nobody are the same movie it like, sure, doesn't whatever i think there's somebody who makes that okay so i want to mention one thing because you brian just said you know that this tonally is is like john wick and i think What surprised me most about this movie is tonally I don't think it's like John Wick. I think it is much funnier and has Mm -hmm. a a much better self-awareness than the John Wick movies. The John Wick movies, I love them to death, are so self-serious. Like they talk about things as if it's the gospel, right? Like you just – you go to this weird hotel where all the – like hitmen live and and work and they have rules and they're so silly on paper, but the the actors treat it like this is like, you know, the most serious thing like ever. And this movie will, will do similar things, but there's this underlying sort of like jokiness to it where they all know they're basically winking at the camera. Like this is ridiculous, but trust me, it's a lot of fun and you're going to enjoy watching it. And, and I think that makes this movie almost a, better crowd pleaser than the john wick movies
2: oh absolutely i mean there's there, there are jokes in the john wick films that just completely fall flat and this one yeah it's it's interesting how they're able to to kind of bridge the gap between you know the winking at the camera like you mentioned but also really kind of firing you up a little bit there's one line that i think we see it in the trailer but it's also you know it, it's still a great scene in the movie when he puts his family down in the basement and he's about to lock the door. And what does he say? Don't call 911. And he just like, he's got this, this very cool look on his face. Like, Oh, there we go. Like now, (laughs) now, now we're picking up some speed here. So whereas like in John wick, I mean, I mean, there's no denying Keanu Reeves is, is pretty incredible to watch when he's in action, but some of the attempts at humor and some of the attempts at just being like, yeah, I'm warming up. Like when he says stuff like that, it doesn't hold a candle to that moment I just mentioned. So yeah, there,
1: there's the scene I think about in John Wick all the time. And it was like in the trailers where they're like, everybody keeps asking him in the first one. Like, I thought you retired. And he's like, yeah, well, I guess I'm back. Yeah. And, and that's supposed to be like this laugh line. And in the movie, it's treated super serious. And nobody, that's the type of thing he says. But you laugh and you exactly. Know, yes. The
0: benefits of having seasoned comedic actors on the on the cast
1: yeah yeah totally and and not everybody's like comedic like you mentioned rizza Riza appears in this movie and and he's not known for his jokes but you know he uh has a very entertaining role in the movie yeah. and christopher lloyd's christopher lloyd like i guess we should talk about it briefly because we don't want to ruin any surprises but if you watch this movie and you have a deep appreciation for christopher lloyd you are going to have the biggest smile on your face by the end of this film
0: <laughs> yeah. am i right
1: saying that like this is absolutely fucking lootly. I I think I joked in the interview that this is like my favorite Christopher Lloyd performance since Back to the Future, and it, it's it's funny to say that because it's a little ridiculous because he's kind of like an actor who's been in a number of things, but I kind of mean it. Yeah, he's so he, he's really really fun in this movie. Yeah, yeah, and and I don't know how old he is. Uh, he plays Bob Odenkirk's dad, and <laughs> there are some moments where you just like you just he's having so much fun like. Chewing he's 82 the- years old. Wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. Good for him. Good for him. <laughs> Having the time of his life. Wow. Yeah. Anything you want to say non-spoilery about Christopher Lloyd before we move on? Uh,
0: it's hard to, to not spoil things, so I'll just say he's phenomenal in this movie and, and an absolute delight. Yeah. Uh, the only thing that kind of bothered me about the movie is how they – kind of short Connie Nielsen's role yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, Which, true. I get it you know if any character has to get short-changed I guess that's gonna be the one but y- you wish they gave her some more meat to chew on rather than just kind of being the the wife that doesn't really like him
1: anymore at the beginning of the movie and here's what I think about Connie Nielsen's role is I think she's a great actress and when you see her in a movie you expect a lot more um yeah and 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 she really doesn't have a very big role and you have to wonder maybe if there's more that they shot with her that they just didn't put in the movie and honestly as much as it sucks that there isn't uh, like a a major role for her like brian said this is a movie that kind of just has to keep that momentum and Mm -hmm. at any moment it could derail and then you just lose everything like a house of cards it just topples down and so i think i mean i i didn't work on this movie so i can't say for sure but I wouldn't be shocked if it was more of a like we got to keep this tempo up sort of thing. Yeah, totally understandable.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Christopher Lloyd is definitely the unexpected hero of this whole thing. If anything, I would say that I didn't like his son at all. That was the only like like downside, and I don't know if it's Do you mean Bob Uecker's act- son, yeah, son, yeah, yeah. I I don't know if it's necessarily the actor, or I mean, obviously you could see the strained relationship there, but but yeah, I don't know. Did you guys care for? care for him at all kind of a smaller part but still
1: like i said in my in my intro here the the son has an interesting role in that he's basically there to look at his dad in disgust after the break-in because he's (laughs) just looking at his dad like you're supposed to protect us like what the hell man and and that can get annoying because bob odenkirk's so good at making you feel for him that you look at the son and you're like what an asshole like shut up respect your dad (laughs) Any did thoughts? you know like, Toby Maguire was an executive produ- producer on this movie? What? I did know this. Here's a little pulling back the curtain. Uh, I shared this document with you guys. Before we did in the interview, you know, the, the PR people, they send you, like, production notes. And I was reading mm-hmm. through the production notes, and this where you find out that this is kind of a passion project for Bob Odenkirk, something he's been working on for five years and blah, blah, blah. And then at the very bottom, it says, here is, like, the executive producers, and I saw Toby Maguire. And yeah, I you- wonder if maybe at some point this is a script that maybe was laying around that McGuire was attached to, I don't know. Or maybe, you know, at a poker table, he was just shooting the shit and was like, <laughs> Hey, let's call Bob Odenkirk up here. Let's make an action movie. You know? I love how that's how we still see Toby Maguire. He's, he's
0: somewhere in Hollywood at a poker table, even during COVID. He never <laughs> left the tables.
1: I mean, that's all he does, right? Yeah, that's pretty much hangs it. hangs out with Leonardo DiCaprio and plays poker. I mean, that's yeah. what I've learned from the tabloids, at least. And uh, Topher Grace or whatever. We don't talk. See, then you got to bring up Topher Grace. It makes me think of Spider-Man 3 and <laughs> <laughs> really brings down the whole mood. Okay, so finally, to wrap up this conversation before we get to the interview, I want to ask you guys, start with Mike here. Um, a, do you want a sequel? And B, do you think this is the type of movie where a sequel is obvious? And, and do you think it can go someplace? <sighs> it's mm. it's tricky because it it sets it
0: itself up in a way where it could very much be uh you know a standalone movie and that would be totally fine. But just like any other movie that's a hit, you could always find a way to to make more because spoiler alert, he's still alive. But <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, but it, I think uh the reason I ask this is. I don't think this has the world building that John Wick does, and that that's was so right. much of a th- that was so much of a thing with the first John Wick movie. Or like, I just want to learn more, and I didn't really get that from nobody. So that's why. Yeah, I- but tell me you wouldn't want to see Bob Christopher Lloyd and RZA like on a
0: road movie or something like that. <laughs> wouldn't that be fucking great?
1: <laughs> I'm writing it in my head now, and it's glorious. Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah, it would be pretty amazing. Uh, Brian, do you do you want to see a sequel to this?
2: Oh,
1: I just had an idea.
0: Okay. 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 They go on a family cruise together Christopher <laughs> Lloyd, Bob and his family, and Rizza and his, you know, whatever, and the Wu Tang <laughs> clan. And then, you know, they wait, do, wait, like, wait. die harder. In your universe,
1: Rizza is actually, this is Riza. Yeah. No, Rizza uh, is his brother. Yes.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Oh, this is the best. Anyways, keep going. I want to hear this. I, I no, have that, this, That's my I idea. Have to to die Hard on here. a
0: cruise ship, which is basically Speed 2. But
1: still, uh, <laughs> we're going to make a better movie than that. I love— Okay, just to sidetrack for a second. Speed 2 is like, you know what's so good about the first movie? Buses going fast. You know what's awesome about a second movie? Big ships going slow. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> Willem Dafoe, though. Just okay. nailing
0: well,
2: it. Mike, what would be if, uh, if in Nobody 2 on a boat— what would be a badass line? Please
0: call. No, no,
1: that's the title.
0: Nobody to on a boat. Nobody.
2: <laughs> no,
1: they could just do nobody dot 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 on a boat. Sure. Okay. Nobody on a boat. Ooh. <laughs> Ilya, call us back. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad we already did the interview because after he hears <laughs> this, he's gonna be like, "These guys are idiots." Or <laughs> they're is- geniuses, and and we need to write this.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, uh, I I don't think my phone is going to be uh, ringing. So, Brian, do you want do you want a sequel to Nobody?
2: No, no, I'm 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 fine with with what we've got here. It's it's definitely a movie that I'll I'll, I'll tune in and watch from time to time and I'll I'll definitely enjoy it. And maybe it's going to be one of those films that will just continue to to build momentum and become one of those like uh, maybe I don't want to say cult film, but one of those, you know, just sort of genre defining films that 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 people remember. You know, I, I do am I saying that it's going to be as as well loved as a Die Hard or a Passenger 57 per se? I don't know. <laughs> uh, I don't know. But, what was uh, the
1: line from Passenger 57?
2: I don't remember. Uh, oh come on. I don't know, but that movie was Speed 3. I have an idea for Speed 3 that'll
1: of course just, you do. Just you tell mind. me the vehicle it takes place
2: on. Oh, it's a it's a plane. It's Speed 3 colon air traffic. There we go. Air traffic. Yeah, but Air Force One. Now, no, yeah. wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm gonna say the title again. Speed three. <laughs> air traffic. We get See, the the first movie is on the ground. Yeah, and yeah, This is traffic, but in the air, like air traffic control. See, I, and I love I that you invest so much decision. in your
1: titles. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is, right? It's uh, it's the Michael Scottism, right? It's, yeah, you you just have the title and you you reverse engineer from the title.
2: I'm just trying to think about in nobody on a boat. How like yeah. would there be a part where somebody would say who's on the boat, and then we hear from a far away voice say nobody, and then like no. would that be no. what?
1: what would be the scene? Here's here's the scene. <laughs> uh, the bad guy goes, you who's who goes there? You know whatever, right? <laughs> and. And they said, oh, wait, it was nobody. And then Bob Odenkirk, Kirk and Christopher Lloyd step out of the shadows and they go, you're wrong. It's everybody.
2: And then. Oh! Bob- <laughs> yeah. No. Oh, that's incredible. <laughs> it's everybody. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> you can't see my, my arms right now. The the hair is, is standing straight up right now. Yeah. That's. Yeah. Okay. I'm to answer saying, your question,
1: is, there's uh, something to this.
2: There is something to this.
1: <laughs> is it a Disney cruise?
0: It's nobody. Oh, that'd be not so not great. I don't bad think bad they'd bad. let them use the Disney <laughs> name and all that stuff, where they could beat the crap out of like mascots and stuff.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Like, uh, like a uh, to tie it to the MCU, there's just some poor schmuck in an Iron Man costume who just gets berated. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah. Again, Ilya, you're you're out there. You're listening in Moscow. Mm-hmm. Call us yeah. up. Ken. Yeah. yeah, have your people call our people. And we'll Ideas for Dave. <laughs> I have to admit, I will try to find a way to put Nicolas Cage in this movie. Good. Yeah. Um, oh yes, great. <laughs> <laughs> he'll say yes.
2: Uh, he'll, uh, he'll definitely say yes. <laughs>
1: and Frank Grillo, because it has every movie has that Frank Ooh, Grillo. True. Well, then he could be the bad guy. Yeah.
2: Oh, he could be the yeah. bad guy. Exactly.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yes. He's he's too badass. I don't know if if Bob Odenkirk could could be even the a quarter badass as Frank.
2: Oh, can, you, can you imagine them facing each other down in that final scene? Like, oh man, like, and they're falling, on the boat. On, on the boat, yeah, and they're on like some corridor that's probably filling with water. And yeah, like, and Bob
1: Odenkirk's totally wearing a uh, like Hawaiian shirt and shorts, right? Oh,
2: he is. Holy, oh my god. <laughs> he's all bloody, but like he's a
1: little half drunk from all the bloody marys or whatever
2: that's mm-hmm. true that would be funny oh um, yeah
0: christopher lloyd just for some reason packed a whole suitcase of grenades
2: <laughs> <laughs> and, shotguns, and shotguns yeah <laughs> guys this this is great yeah yeah <laughs> all wow oh, okay so uh, with
1: that I think we should just, you know, get out while the getting's good and uh, cut to the interview. And (laughs) so, thank you, Mike and Brian, for talking about nobody. And thank you, Mike, for gracing us with nobody on a boat.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Or Uh, no boaty. Okay. You lost Too Too punny. Yeah, too (laughs) punny. I'm not not against it. I'm just going to tell you. oh god I, I can
1: imagine the uh the logo the the o in the first no is like the ship like what is it the anchor or whatever yeah, yeah sure oh man so many nautical ways of doing this mm-hmm. okay so yeah thank you for talking about nobody yes. and uh everybody listening keep listening because you're gonna listen to a uh, a discussion with ilian nyshuler and he's a very smart man who knows a lot about action and clearly knows more than us doofuses do and uh he should
0: absolutely yeah. be calling us back right now
1: he's not, but you'll listen to the interview and at least you'll have respect for what he did and uh, <laughs> you'll you'll like it more than the the shit we're spewing so True. enjoy Okay, so I want to welcome Ilya Nyshuler to the Playlist Podcast to discuss his new action film, Nobody. Thanks for joining us. All the way from Moscow.
3: All the way from Moscow. It's a long walk.
1: (laughs) I have to start by thanking you for making Christopher Lloyd, pardon my language, the coolest motherfucker in the world. Not since Back to the Future have I been this excited about Christopher Lloyd in a major major motion picture. So bravo, hats off to you. Well done.
3: I'm I'm glad you enjoyed him as much as... uh... We enjoy him. I mean, look, it's Christopher Lloyd. Uh, it, it, it just it clicked automatically when we thought about him that, you know, you put Chris Lloyd in a good movie, give him a juicy part, give him four shotguns, and yes. I'm going to be there. I want to see him. I always think about it from perspective. Do, do I care as an audience member? Is it going to excite the hell out of me? And that obviously just could not excite anymore. It's Chris Lloyd, America's yeah. treasure. Yeah,
1: and, and I think that's what separates you from me because I would have never thought of that. I mean like that's Doc Brown
3: he doesn't need four shotguns but now that I've seen it
1: oh he does
3: well that's um that's you know you did something right when you didn't know you wanted but you watch it and you're like ah makes total sense just like having RZA play his son and play Bob's brother it doesn't make it feels weird but when you see it's like that's a you know I put the I remember putting up the 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 headshots on my uh actor's board and going it just it's perfect let's see if we can get those fantastic guys and we got very lucky
1: Yeah, yeah. So we, well, maybe people don't know this, but the film began as kind of a a passion project for Bob Odenkirk, kind of inspired by like a real life incident where he had his home invaded and cops told him, you know, you did the right thing, all that jazz. So when you think of Mr. Show's Bob Odenkirk, who is also Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul's Bob Odenkirk, were you shocked that this film was pitched to you as like Bob Odenkirk does John Wick? Or were you like, again, like Christopher Lloyd, like this sounds amazing, sign me up.
3: Definitely the second. I got the script and uh, I remember talking to my agent, you know, nine months before getting the script and I said, Mike, if I'm to do an American action movie, sort of the, the dream ingredients would be, we'd have a comedian with a shotgun as the lead. So we'll go greatly against type. Let's surprise people. Two, um, it'd be fantastic if uh, we can get 8711 to the action. And, um, you know, nine months later, I get the script and it said, um, asking you shall receive. <laughs> Derek Kolstad, 8711, David Leach, have a look. And um, I get a fair amount of scripts and I very rarely rarely get this excited. I put the script down and I said, who do I have to talk to? What do I have to do? And uh, it, 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 you know, I think comedians, all good comedians have a very dark side because that's the way of coping with it is comedy. So there's been plenty of um, examples in movie history where we had, very lighthearted people uh, switch to drama and do amazing jobs. So it, it you know, it, seeing how Bob, I've been a fan of Bob's for a long time, obviously, you know, with Mr. Show, and you know, he did that jump to the dramatic with with Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. We were all fully aware that he can, you know, he's got great chops as a as dramatic actor. So here, what we do is you take that and you put him in an action movie. And you know, with the amount of work that Bob put in, that's two years of training. It I always felt from the very first time I saw him train, this was back in 2018, in the summer of 2018, I was at 8711, and they had John Wick, uh, Keanu Reeves prepping for John Wick, practicing with, you know, going against 12 people in the corner of the room, there was Bob going up against two. And this is the early stages where he's still, you know, he's sweating like crazy. He's falling down. It's not easy for him, you know, but, but he's persevering. And I'm up in his face with an iPhone recording in slow motion. Just <laughs> out. I remember looking and thinking, my God, I hope we get a chance to really make this film because there's possibility or potential here to make it something really special.
0: Yeah, and they released that little uh, behind the scenes bit of him doing all the the training as well on that. It, it is pretty fascinating to see him go full out like the guy no matter what it is, comedy, drama, he commits 100%. Well,
3: it's it's you know, it's a director's dream and the guy is 55. Per his own accounts, he's a writer first, so he always feels like he wants to slouch and get a piece of paper and start writing. Uh, And now at the age of 55, he starts going to the gym for the first time properly with a serious mindset. He starts the action training, the weapon training. And I remember talking to him very early on and uh, seeing that there's no, you know, this is the real deal. We're not gonna phone it in. I'm gonna be able to shoot this in as much of a premeditated manner, no shaky cam, uh, let the action speak for itself. So, you know, it's a gift.
0: Yeah. And, and there's the line that kind of perfectly sums up this movie. Uh, without giving anything away, a character calls a certain situation a bit excessive but glorious. That should kind of be the rallying cry for this movie, honestly. When, like, when you're crafting a film and the action that goes into it, were you ever concerned that, like, you were flirting with too excessive or was excessive as possible going you know was
3: that the way to go but I'm always concerned there's always lots of talking and thinking and you never know until you have a cut that you're happy with yeah but that line was not in the script that Chris Lloyd line that you mentioned because that's how I felt we needed to say because this is how I feel about what we're going and you know the movie starts off and I always pitch for it since the very beginning with Derek and Bob and the producers were that this is a South Korean thriller made in America by a Russian director, starring Bob. <laughs> um, <laughs> a little complicated, but that's how I saw it, and that's how I remember pitching it to, speaking to my first call to DP Pavel Pokajolski. Uh, and uh, it, it, it. Um, we always knew from the very beginning that my plan was to start it off as dramatic and as calm and as you know desaturated as possible, and keep ramping it up. Until we get to this, you know, crazy color palette where it's really bright, it's really colorful, it's almost comic book in its um, in its delivery. And if you look at the first action scene, you know, or the first maybe you know 20 minutes of the movie, and you put that together with the end, it feels slightly disjointed. But we've earned the right. I always said it's a it's a you know we have the the the, the steak, and this is our dessert. And we got to earn that dessert bite. We got to get a really juicy steak in front of the audience. And again, you know, with Derek's hard work, with Bob's hard work, and us just talking about it for a year because the movie was put off from 2018 fall to 2019. We had a year where we just talked about it quite frequently. So by the time we got to shooting, we really knew what we were doing. And that, uh, that allowed us to, you know, follow this mindset.
2: Russian filmmaker based in Moscow. And I suppose that makes you kind of the ideal person to ask this. I mean, what is it or what makes the Russian mafia so fucking perfect for modern action film villains i mean in the 80s and 90s it was middle eastern terrorists and a bit of the you know cold war era russian communist stuff but nowadays it's always the the russian mafia i mean what what makes them so good for for villains um when i signed on to the, to, to the
3: movie there were south koreans that's why it's yulian and teddy uh and the, both those names work for russians as well but i remember talking to bob and derek and saying guys with all due respect the way hollywood usually shows russians it's very kind of like it works we enjoy the movies we laugh at it but i don't want to do something that's inauthentic um so if you don't mind let's switch them to russians so it was my call <laughs> or my ask and you know Derek was like i love having russian bad guys i'm like i know you do Derek. <laughs> i know you do uh i, I actually know they work um and he and i remember thinking what do you think and Derek said uh Look, I think Russians are a, a formidable enemy. B, they're fairly scary, and if I had to piss somebody off, I'd rather not piss off a Russian. I'm saying, well, and I'm thinking, well, Derek, is that because you know you have the Cold War sentiment that you, you mm-hmm. know you all Americans past a certain age have grown up with? He said, probably. Um, yeah. Look, we're not bad guys. Just like the Middle Eastern dudes are not bad guys generally. There's, you know, there's bad apples everywhere. But we, the way I saw it is that. If the movie's good and the characters are good and whatever the nationality of the villain is represented in a cheeky yet honest way, then it's fine. Mm. Um, The trouble becomes when you make a a mediocre movie of mediocre actors doing mediocre things. So I said, let's make them Russians. And there's a couple of things I'm gonna ask for. Let's have a Russian cast, let's have Russian music and let's have, um, when the Russians are speaking to the Russians, let's treat the audience with respect and let the Russians speak Russian. Because I've always hated it just for the sake of, you know, <laughs> now I'm the bad guy. We talk about the good guy because the audience doesn't you know, <laughs> Or they do one happy. sentence in Russian and then switch
1: magically to English.
3: Yes. Yeah. I mean, look, it works when you're doing, you know, you know um, The Hunt for Red October. It's a beautiful transition, right? Yes. Beautiful transition of Valkyrie from German to English. There's examples where it's done nicely, but because it's an American film, um, it's great that we're able to do this thing where, I'm, you know, I'm glad the studio and the producers are all on board completely that from, and from the get go, which is very important. A lot of credit to them is that they love the idea that we're going to do it properly because the same thing we did with, you know, casting Connie Nielsen as Becca, we didn't go for someone who's 25 to play opposite Bob's uh, 50 something. We got someone more age appropriate just because it's a little bit more truthful uh, and it just feels right. So the fact that we went into this with the intent of making it right. And it's sure, it's an action thriller, but I always felt if I'm going to be making American movies, then I'll be making them to the, you know, the best examples, following the best examples and standing on the shoulder of giants, etc. not just, that's okay. Make the bad guys Russians. Fine. They drink some <laughs> vodka. Drink some vodka.
0: Yeah. But one thing even my wife noted about the the bad guys is that you kind of can see where, you know, you might be on their side because, mm-hmm. you know, he, the the bad guy in this movie spoiler didn't start anything exactly. <laughs> this all came to him
3: well mike it's it's it's, it's the reason i signed on to the movie apart from you know bob and the fact that you know i i, I thoroughly enjoyed the script Derek is a fantastic way with words was that when i spoke to bob i said bob this is my first call you know horrible landline connection there's you know five producers on the call and i remember saying bob i might be completely wrong here and correct me if i am and I hope you know I don't scare you off with this, but I think the reason this movie is special is going to be special is because it's a movie about a guy who is addicted to violence, and for 15 years he's put it away. And unlike all the precedents in this genre, where you know going back to you know there's much I'm sure there's earlier things, but you know, I always think of Commando as like uh, <laughs> I don't want to do this anymore. I'm you know I'm, I'm living in the forest, but they stole my daughter. And they, you know, they, I don't want to do this anymore, but they killed my dog. Th- that all works. I love those movies. But the wonderful thing with Nobody and with the uh, uh, character of Hutch is that he doesn't have to do anything, but he really wants to. And it's just enough of a subversion where it's not subversion for the sake of subversion, but it's a version that gave me a theme. Once you know the theme of the film, all the other questions become so easy to answer. And I feel like a lot of movies haven't decided what they're about. And once we got that, you know, that was kind of, Bob said, that's not how we thought about it, but it makes total sense. Let's fly you out and let's start talking. So um, once we had that, it just, it made sense in the sense. made sense in a sense, sorry. Uh, <laughs> but, but when you say that the Russians aren't necessarily bad guys, you're right, because Hutch is an anti-hero. Everything that happens is because Hutch makes the wrong damn decisions because he can't help himself. And that's what makes it such an interesting character. And Absolutely. there was actually more of the Russians being less bad. Like there was a sequence where... And this is sh- the couple, not even sequence, a couple of shots of uh, Julian uh, practicing his dance move. That was one of the arcs for him is that you couldn't nail this dance move and he was getting, and he only got it in the end, near the end where you do see it at the end of the film. But it's, um, I remember looking at it and, and talking about it with David Leach and David Leach said, I think the problem with that sequence, it's fun, it's great. I feel like it needs to be more menacing. And I was like, ah, you're right. You're right. You're right. And when you're right, you're right. So, you know, we started chipping away at some of the some of the more uh, human elements. Well, we kept enough. And the fact he doesn't want to deal with the object, the fact that he does want out is uh, it just makes it more interesting.
1: Absolutely. Agreed. So speaking of commando and, and, you know, action movies of yesteryear. We're all, the three of us are really fascinated by action films, especially the ones we grew up with in the 80s and 90s. So recently we spoke to Frank Grillo about boss level, and we asked him this question, so we want to ask you too. What are the necessary ingredients for a good action film?
3: The question of putting it in order is a little tough, but I'd say character, because all our favorite action movies have amazing characters, right? And talking to to Bob about this, I was thinking, you know, for example, we brought up John McClane from the first Die Hard, is that you root for him because he's not as super proficient and he does get hurt. And that's why Bob always gets hurt in the film. He's never just, you know, whatever. Um, He walks it off, but you see him take damage. Uh, So that's the first character. You can't go wrong. Uh, Two, uh, this is gonna surprise you, but the action. Uh, (laughs) You really need to have memorable, uh, as, as original as possible within the story and the confines of whatever budget you have, make action that people, you know, it's very impactful and three and this would you know this would be a, an even balance with two. like I'd say it's 2.5 it's a story because if you have a great character and and great action sequence, you can possibly get away with it. but our favorite movies don't. Our favorite movies have character action story. It's it's just like thinking what are the, what, are the, what, are the, what are the important elements for a, for a romantic comedy you need comedy, mm-hmm. romance? <laughs> and character. Good
1: characters so, yeah but you yeah, know I was, like, you, say,
3: you say that it's like you know three simple things but
1: boy people struggle it's it's pretty pretty <laughs> incredible watching some films where you know mm-hmm. you think like oh where did this go wrong and and so th- I also want to ask you are there things as a filmmaker when you watch these action movies mm-hmm. where you're like uh oh, red flag they did this this is oh this is bad you know any of those faux pas you see that you're just it drives
3: you nuts well you, you notice them all the time but I've somehow magically retained the ability to watch films as an audience member and it's only when something goes really wrong or really right does my directorial head go whoa 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 let's examine that for a second (laughs) Um, so I don't think I've ever I can't remember watching a movie not thinking about what I would make better and what I should learn Uh, and you know fairly early on in, in, in getting serious about movies I understood that you can learn quite a bit about for, about filmmaking from watching bad films, because you know what not to do, just as with good movies you learn what to do. Obviously,
0: you know when it comes to the action and you know keeping it modern and and pushing the envelope, 8711 is kind of the gold standard for action films right now. I'd say the diamond. Um, standard. Sorry, Mike. The, <laughs> the mean, diamond sorry. standard, yeah. Diamond yeah. standard. Yeah. Why why do you think that is? What makes them so special? I mean, you see it and you know it's them, but I'm trying i it's hard to
3: put your finger on what exactly they do that pushes it. I, I'm gonna guesstimate here. Uh, I would love to hear what David Leash or Chad would say about this, but with their background in so many films, good movies, bad movies, you know great films, before they became directors, this again, a guesstimation, but or a guess, I guess <laughs> they were always able to do amazing things past a certain point, but I think they had to fight to get the best things with it from the directors to be allowed to really, you know, spread their wings and fly or spread their wings and punch. So <laughs> it's, it's um, I'm again, I'm guessing, but there must've been some frustration. Mm-hmm. And when they got their chance to, you know, direct, they went all out and they were able to realize all these things that all these years they had, you know, planned on doing and couldn't, and all that energy was pent up energy, just hit hit the screens, you know. And John Wick came about, and then Atomic Blonde came about. And the fact that they worked with actors, uh, you know, Keanu, you know, they worked with him 20 years back, and Keanu can fight. Uh, Charlize Theron did a shit ton of work. It's obvious. I mean, that that Atomic Blonde sequence is the best action sequence of 2017, hands down. The stair uh, scene. The stare scene. It just it's just it's, yeah. just it's 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 perfect. It's perfect and it's completely impeccable. Um, And it's that approach. It's the approach of having, you know, having it feel real, having it feel impactful, not having stunt doubles every second shot, avoiding shaky cam. Um, The quick cuts. The quick cuts, of course. I mean, look, we we know the fence shot, right? Uh, (laughs) So, yeah, I'd say those are are the ingredients. But I would love to hear, you know, from the horse's mouth rather than me just guessing here. Well, let's get them on the phone. You got their number, right? <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking David's probably busy with Bullet Train right now. Oh, yeah, yeah. Might, that, be, might be. Yeah. A little bit, yeah.
2: So, yeah, kind of staying on the, the action of slant of things and as an action connoisseur, someone that clearly is familiar with the ins and outs of a of a solid action feature, I'd love for you to just pick a few action films that people might have slept on that are really good examples of the genre. Obviously there's there's John Wick, the Liam Neeson films. Uh, what are some that people might not be aware of? I'd love to appear more knowledgeable than I am, <laughs> but but
3: because this is video, I can't Google best action films everyone sleeps on. So, um, Maybe but, Hardcore but, Henry. Well, yeah, but you
0: know. No Mike one, you don't it, want to you toot your own toot. horn? Yeah. You don't want to toot your own horn? Yeah,
3: yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, well, I do, but it's just incorrect, so I'll, I'll refrain. But um, you know I think in terms of I think there's two two sort of two schools, right? We have the eighty seven eleven and then we have um, uh, Gareth Evans, uh, very different. They are very different, but they're very similar at the same time. Uh, where Gareth, I feel, goes for the jugular, and he really wants to it, it, I remember watching the raid blown away, obviously. Watching the raid two, I, remember, I think I watched the raid two at there was a, there was a press screening and I kind of snuck in at Sony, uh, and thinking the action is just it's spectacular. My problem with it uh, is that I want to take a shower afterwards because it's me. <laughs> it's proper like it's it's serious. Yeah. Whereas eighty seven level makes it where Chad does and what David uh, does. I think David is even more fun than Chad. I think that's his that that's his thing. Um, it's more entertaining rather than here's some brutal shit and again I don't think anyone will ever out-brutalize uh what Gareth is doing I mean I'm sure you guys seen Gangs of London yeah and I spoke to him afterwards and I never met him in real life but we've been chatting over the Instagrams and um I was just asking him what kind of you know how many days what's the prep and all that stuff and the guy is very he's he's in a league of his own and just as 8711 are in a league of their own it's like two top tier leagues across the
1: ocean from each other yeah. It's it's funny you mention that because I'm reminded of my wife when you say things like that because my wife will not watch War for the Planet of the Apes because it's too violent, but she's really? giddy watching Nobody. We sat <laughs> and she was loving every second of this movie, and she loves the John Wick movies too. And it's because it is it, it reaches a point I think that it it goes just over the line into almost cartoonish, mm-hmm. but still mm-hmm. just like really well done and well executed.
3: Thank you. Look, I'm I'm very glad your wife enjoyed the film. I kept hearing when I was growing up that girls don't like blood and violence. Ah, You know, I remember doing small screenings of hardcore, little bits and pieces of it as it was coming together over the years. And I always ask my friends to bring whoever they're hanging out with. And every time, you know, they show up with their girlfriends or their wives, I'd be like, well, this is kind of rough. And they'd be like, okay. And then I remember them seeing them cheer louder than the guys. And I was like, wait, we were brought up wrong. The whole Barbie dolls and toy soldiers. (laughs) This is strange. But the reason I think your girlfriend enjoyed nobody and why those girls back when I was showing, you know, hardcore Henry why that worked for them is because they're not mean films. They are movies that they have violence, they have a lot of blood, but, and they are rated and they're swearing and all these things that supposedly are for the guys, but there's a, there's a light at the end of all that tunneling. Uh, And I remember thinking hardcore was gonna be much rougher than it really was. And I was talking to Charlton about it as we were making it constantly. And finally, we're having a discussion where my very old or rather older uh, CGI supervisor, this Russian guy, he was at the premiere. We talked about it afterwards. He said, Ilya, I don't know how it worked, but I think I do. I'm like, go on. And he says, it's because you're a very positive person and you love people and you love life and all that. You love movies and you don't wanna, I wanna have people to have a good time. And there's a certain, I mean, I love dramas. I love things that hit hard. I love crying in the movies. I cry like a, like a little kid, you know, on any emotional uh, uh, moment, very easy to to, uh, to shed that tear. But it's the fact that A, it's not mean, B, it's entertaining. And that's it. And I think I'm very glad that you feel like we never crossed into the cartoony thing because it's always, it's always very tempting. It's always very easy to cross into it, especially with Chris Lloyd and four shotguns. Yeah. And I think we just barely, we're just, you know, skirting that edge um so it makes me very happy that it worked for you and and uh and your girlfriend yeah
1: yeah well she she really enjoyed it and uh, before we let you go because we should wrap up here soon um I have to ask you about what's on your schedule uh I know you have an adaptation of uh, Joseph Cannon's New York Times bestseller Leaving Berlin and that's described as a spy thriller so I wanted to give you a chance for fans of Hardcore Henry and Nobody sell us on why we need to be psyched for leaving berlin and if you have anything else in development
3: leaving berlin is going to be a it's going to be a great film it's a, i mean of course the director will be like oh the next movie is going to be all right but he <laughs> has the book has something that why I fell in love with it is that it's a very it's got you know it's got all the thrills it's got the car chases the action it's got all the things we we expect and more but at its core it's about a guy who's got a spine who stands up for things he believes in He's a man of ideals and morals, which I think, you know, the world is lacking such heroes, such where you look at him and be like, I want to be like that guy. He's not going to be a built up muscle man. He's going to be a dude who's got his wits. Who's never been in action. Who's in a hard spot uh, between a rock and a hard place. Uh, period piece, 1949, Berlin set background as the airlift, biggest uh, military operation of all time. And at his The second thing at its core, at its heart, is that there is a a really heartbreaking, honest, and truthful romantic angle, romantic story, which, again, most of the time, if you do an action thriller, you're not going to be caring too much about the love interest. And it's there just so, you know, people think, well, if you put a girl in there, you know, girls will go with their guys to see, you'll make more money. No, this, at its core, has that very important, real, um, emotional element that I mean I read the book I remember I was being I just felt so sad at certain moments that and plus you know when you have sadness and offset in contrast to next to violence and comedy it works everything just feels much stronger like even nobody you have the the humor and it sits right alongside you know people getting blown up and the humor starts becoming because if you notice we never went for any big jokes but you get the chuckles you get the laughs because it's just a human reaction to you know, horrible things happening and all of a sudden fun things are happening and it makes the fun things funner and the horrible things, uh, more, uh, more violent. So it's a win, win, win kind of, kind of thing. Yeah. So,
1: um, yeah, with hardcore Henry and now nobody, you've established yourself as a action filmmaker, obviously, but do you ever see yourself, you know, now with like leaving Berlin, you said it's got more of an emotional heart. Maybe are you going to try to branch out into something else? That's uh, maybe like a hardcore
3: drama my favorite movies uh, over the last decade as much as i love action films and I, it's obviously but before hardcore before all the first person music videos i was always writing uh scripts that were much more character driven and when the chance for hardcore came up i was like right, i'll do this i'm gonna like pigeonhole as an action guy for a long time and i said you know what fuck it i want to make the world's first pov action film i'm gonna make it great if everything works out if the stars align, and then we'll figure out from there. Hardcore did its thing. I was getting you know, very B-level scripts for quite a while because, no, oh, that guy can do action. You know, Things will blow up and there'll be some girls in the strip bar and et cetera. <laughs> I was like, I'm not going to do any of that. I'm going to wait for the right script. Nobody comes along. I jump at it because, like I said, there's the, the character element. There's Bob. And so there's a story in there. And I feel, I hope, you know, if people enjoy this one, I'll have more open doors where I can tell stories that are, closer to my heart while keeping him uh, um, theater ready because in today's day and age, all the good drama has, you know, left for the streaming platforms for TV. And now we have blockbusters ex- exclusively. That's the only chance you have to really make money in the theaters. But I believe that, and there's examples, but there's very few of them. There's a way to make smart films that elicit real emotions while having all the big set pieces that we love seeing on the big screen. And that's the goal.
1: That's awesome. Yeah, so uh, we got to wrap up. So I want to thank Ilya Nyshuler for joining us on the Playlist Podcast. Thanks for talking about Nobody. Uh, and everyone listening, definitely go check out Nobody when it hits theaters March 26th. So yeah, thank you so much, Ilya. It's awesome.
3: Thank you, Charles, Mike, Brian. I appreciate you guys having me on and I'm very glad you enjoyed the film. It, well, it, it, we did. You know, you make the movie, last thing I'll say is, is you're making a movie and I spent three years on Nobody. You make a movie and you're like, I think it's good. I think it works. I like it. My you know, inner inner child loves it. My dad loved it. I made it for my dad. But what are the people going to really feel when they're watching it? So every time I hear, you know, positive feedback, I'm like, well, I guess Bob's and mine and Derek's and all our producers intuitions and, and the studios worked. So, you know, it, thank you. I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, I it
0: usually use my wife as a barometer for these things. And I, <laughs> I threw on nobody without even telling her what it was. Uh-huh. And she'd never seen a trailer. And she just came to it fresh. And she really, really liked it. She looked at me at the end of the movie. It was like, that was really good.
3: I'm, I'm holding myself back from not having a smile from ear to ear. I'm just kind of like, well, that's that's what the intent was. And we worked hard.
2: <laughs>
1: so you mentioned your dad. Did your dad suddenly want shotguns after seeing this movie? Uh,
3: uh, my dad is very, you know, he was a, um, he was not, he's not a violent man. Thank God. I was very, like, I have a very loving family. Uh, but his review for hardcore. He flew out to TIFF for the Midnight Madness. He's never, you know, for three years, I worked in Hardcore, didn't show him anything. And he shows up. He's like, all right, let's see what all this is about. And he loves films. He used to go to the movies three or four times a week. Not much to take him to. So he goes to see Hardcore and his review at the end of the film, like, dad, dad, what do you think? And dad says, well, I understand why it took you three years to make, son. I was like, all right, I'll take it. <laughs> so with nobody, I showed it. I showed him an, um, sort of the final-ish cut without all the, you know, the the, the CG, the sound, the music, et cetera. I remember turning to him and said, "What do you think?" This is right before I flew out during the pandemic to finish the film. And he's like, "I think it's really good." I'm like, "Is it like 4 stars?" He's like, son, 5." And I'm like, <laughs> "Mission <I'm laughs> accomplished." You can hear right
0: there. Yeah. It's
3: <laughs> it, it's it really was the most important review I was looking for. So, Great. It, it's um yeah.
1: That's awesome. Well, yeah, again, yeah. thank you so much and uh everybody should go check it out. It's it's dad and wife approved. So, there you go. <laughs> Thank you very much, guys. Have a great, a great,
3: great rest of the day.